There was never any destitution in earlier ages, despite the extreme scarcity of money. Well, sure, m money is accumulation of, of uh, capital was not <laughs> becoming uh, the, the purpose of the relations of production in past ages, but that is precisely what's happening now. As Aizawa Seishisai is aware, or is becoming aware, and maybe in the process of writing this, because warriors cannot meet these expenses with stipends alone, stipends of rice, right? They borrow money from rich merchants. This soon becomes an ingrained habit, and even the greatest daimyo today find themselves in deep in debt. Warriors live in cities and must buy all necessities of life from merchants. They exchange rice, whose market value is steadily declining, for coinage, whose value is also steadily declining. With this depressed coinage, they purchase goods and services, whose prices are steadily rising. No wonder they cannot make ends meet. And social relations are uh, mediated by money instead of by feudal bonds of loyalty which would be based on just the samurai giving rice to his retainers. And production is for use, not production for exchange. So we need to get back to that. And if we get back to that, we can produce just loads of rice. And then we can defeat global capital with the power of rice. If we really wanted to store rice in the realm, we could. Why do people advocate bartering it off to foreigners as a way to save the realm from destitution, i.e. trade, right? There are any number of appropriate measures and incentives to make people store rice, but first we must admit the need to do so. Only when the people have sufficient supplies of rice and have no anxieties about their livelihood will they refrain from evildoing. And only when they refrain from evildoing can they be induced to stand in awesome veneration of Amaterasu's will, to labor to bring forth the richest possible harvests that the soil will yield, and to partake of Amaterasu's gifts, derived as these are from the bounties of heaven and earth. So you can guess how well I think that would have gone, but, uh, well, you never know. I mean, it's a kind of atavistic fascism last-ditch attempt to save the grain state, much like fascism is a last-ditch attempt to save capitalism. But you can see by Aizawa's own account, the actual relations of production in his society are already in major conflict with the old ideology and sort of the official idea of what is supposed to be happening. So, Aizawa Seishisai, ladies and gentlemen, writing in 1825 one of the last defenders of the grain state. So, dear listener, I have here a sample of a premium episode which is available to patrons on patreon.com slash irregnata, I-R-R-E-G-N-A-T-A. That's unruled in the feminine singular in Latin. But you, too, are cordially invited to come and pay a low proletarian price for monthly access to the premium feed and we can build we can organize uh, online and I hope we can exchange ideas about these texts and about our world today and build the kingless generation so here's one more clip as a sample from the uh, the premium episode for if every tool could perform its own work when ordered, or by seeing what to do in advance, like the statues of Daedalus in the story, or the tripods of Hephaestus, which the poet says, enter self-moved, the company divine, if thus shuttles wove, and quills played harps of themselves, 
master craftsmen would have no need of assistants, and masters no need of slaves. So there, Aristotle is actually predicting something that Marx would also predict, which is that what we might call today automation and AI, the advancing of the productive forces of society to the point where production of everything we need and even everything we want, right? All of our self-actualization, playing a harp even. Today, I think you can probably do the equivalent thing if you press play on your uh, iTunes or Spotify or whatever you use for your music. That's happening now, right? And Aristotle's prediction, uh, as well as Marx's prediction, is that if that happens, full automation means that no one needs to have a different relationship to production than anyone else. And at some point, what's going to happen is, even if someone says, yeah, I, I own the rights to, I own the intellectual property rights, and that's what is happening in the world today. Uh, everything is about intellectual property rights. There's no more creativity. People are just sitting on these enormous investments in intellectual property and essentially collecting rent on them, just like a medieval landlord. I'm not actually doing anything. I just own the rights to this thing that everyone needs, and so everyone just needs to pay me money. That's it. But at some point, that's not gonna. That's gonna break down. That that's that's not sustainable. Some tiny minority, you know, Bill Gates, Jeff Bezos, a couple of people own the the property rights to things. There's so many more people. We outnumber them by so much. The moment we organize, we can overthrow any regime of private property that would be very unnaturally collecting all of the benefit from a fully automated world and giving it only to a tiny minority of people. However, they're not going to let that go without a struggle. I sure hope that isn't why they're pouring all their money into automated killer robots and fully autonomous vehicles that are totally just about uh, you carrying your family around in your family car and uh, not intended for anything that will have guns and lasers and bombs on it or anything like that. So yeah, actually the productive forces in our time have made it unnecessary for there to be a, an unfree underclass of workers in any sense. However, I think the ruling class's solution to that situation is mass depopulation rather than just allowing the natural progression of everyone being able to enjoy the fruits of a fully automated means of production. But the, in this sense, nature, we always want to be careful of ideology when we use the word nature, but I do think that the original classless society is natural in an important sense, and I think that nature may yet win. But back in the ancient world and the grain state, yes, we have an un various kinds of unfree underclasses, and we see that here in the sheep and the grain. Sometimes these slaves from the mountains, like we see here, will actually have been sold to the grain state by hunter-gatherers. You get hunter-gatherers on the peripheries of grain states. And then the other source of labor would be a laborer with a poor wife and small children. So here we even see uh, someone who has need is perhaps selling his labor. At least uh, he might be an indentured servant or something, even if he's not from the mountains. So the joke here is that, right, grain has to be threshed. And so that poet, the poet in charge of, of playing sheep is using this argument that that's undignified to be beaten on the face. But this is another thing we can see here that a much more elaborate class structure and division of labor has already grown up around grain. 
but not around the production of sheep-related products, right? When you fill the trough, the baker's assistant mixes you and throws you on the floor, and the baker's girl flattens you out broadly. You are put into the oven, and you are taken out of the oven. When you are put on the table, I am before you. You are behind me. Grain, heed yourself. You too, just like me, are meant to be eaten. At the inspection of your essence, why should it be I who come second? Is the miller not evil? What can you put against me? Answer me what you can reply. So again, I think um, that evil probably refers to low social status. So you, Grain, put up with all this abuse in the process of milling flour and baking bread. Then Grain was hurt in her pride and hastened for the verdict. Grain answered sheep, As for you, Ishkur is your master, Shakan your herdsman, and the dry land your bed. Like fire beaten down in houses and in fields, like small flying birds chased from the door of a house, you are turned into the lame and the weak of the land. Should I really bow my neck before you? You are distributed into various measuring containers. When your innards are taken away by the people in the marketplace, when your neck is wrapped with your very own loincloth, one man says to another, fill the measuring container with grain for my you. So the process by which a sheep is dismembered and butchered uh, in order to be consumed is at least as undignified as the various processes that grain will go through to be consumed and used by human beings. And then, this is, this is key, the sheep is traded for grain. Grain is the measure of value. Grain is liquid currency. And that's why this debate is won. That's the final point in the case here. This has been a preview of a premium episode of the Kingless Generation podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support the show and gain access to our full catalog of premium episodes, access to the Discord server where you can discuss and organize, learn about the deep history of class struggle and organize for revolutionary change in relations of production together with your fellow Kingless Generation members, uh, join the Discord. Uh, and you can do that at patreon.com. Search for the Kingless Generation. The URL is also irregnata. That's unruled in Latin, feminine singular. Hope to see you on there.